0: is to make disciples to establish heaven on earth. Hi everybody. So I'm going to give you 20 seconds to look at the screen and tell, or to maybe talk to someone next to you, what those three things have in common. So these three are all three things that are very small, but have a huge impact Beyond their size. So in James 3, it says, We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. And then in verse 5, it says, A tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. So the author of this passage, James, um, uses these as an analogy for the tongue. It's small, but the impact it has is. Massive. It can't be underestimated. So, Open Heaven is looking at James up until December, and it's entitled this series, Faith in Action. And the summary is, actions speak louder than words. Um, But actually, the passage we're looking at today is all about words. But I would say this isn't um, in conflict, because actually words are actions, aren't they? They're verbs. Talking, shouting, yelling, whispering asking you know sharing they're all verbs action words and we all know they're important don't we let slip the wrong word at the wrong time and a promise can be broken a bad first impression can be given a relationship can be damaged I've, um, just over the last sort of month or so, as I've been preparing for this, I've been really scrutinising myself and everything that comes out of my mouth, and I have disappointed myself a number of times, mainly my three small children, where my patience is stretched beyond its limits, and if I'm being completely honest, with my husband wasn't going to say that bit but uh, it's true um yeah and uh, but hopefully i'm not the only one here where we can actually say do you know what i've said stuff i wish i didn't say i've said stuff i wouldn't have liked to say um and i don't know about you but if we think back even further in our lives maybe we can think of bigger more significant situations where maybe something we've said has actually changed the course of our life so it's a bit heavy isn't it but it's really important Uh, Verse seven goes on to say, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or an olive tree produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. It's hard hitting, I think, isn't it? So why, of all things, would James choose to talk about the power of the tongue? It's a very short book. He's not got loads of stuff he can add in there. For me from what I've learned about James, there's two different aspects to this that I'm just going to unpack today. And in order to do that, I need to paint a picture for you of James, the man of his life. So James was brought up in a Jewish family. It's most commonly believed he was actually Jesus' brother. Um, But he didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. He was a very pious Jew, a very virtuous Jew. Um, We can read in some of the historians, Hegesippus and Eusebius, that he didn't drink. He didn't eat meat, he didn't cut his hair, he didn't bath. Um, I remember Luke talking a little bit about this and it says his knees were calloused like a camel where he'd been continually kneeling in prayer for himself and for other people. So we get this real picture, don't we, of this amazingly virtuous man. And so in some ways it's no surprise to us then that he talks about self-control. He was certainly practicing what he was preaching When we're able to have some self-control and make good decisions about what we say, we're making a choice to have a positive impact on the world around us. None of us want to leave a trail of destruction behind us, do we? We want to see people and leave them taller and stronger than we were when we met them. We want to go places and leave them better than they were before we got there. But that takes responsibility. It takes ownership. It takes a little bit of wisdom, A little bit of thinking before we speak. James would have known the Torah, the Old Testament, really well. And he draws a lot from it in his teachings, particularly from Proverbs. For example, Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And Proverbs 4.23 says, Out of the overflow of the heart speaks the mouth. I, um, I, for the first time ever, I said to my five-year-old this week, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Do you know when I mean? you feel like someone's just making it worse and worse? It's just like, stop, just stop. But it's the overflow of the heart, isn't it? It's what's going on in our heart often. Otherwise, it's this sense of bitter water, bit of head thought, bit of mouth, and then, oh, I'm not going to say that, I'm going to bite my tongue. Well, what about if we just have fresh water? What about if we just have fresh water pouring and pouring? You know, maybe when we're tired and grumpy, we need to think about it a bit more. But there's something about doing the hard work in our hearts, isn't there? The hard work of forgiveness. The action of doing all we can to reconcile. The quiet times with God, where we come before him and say, where do I need to be a little bit softer? Where have I got some stuff in my heart that needs to be softened and changed? Imagine if all of us as a community were speaking kindness and courage and encouragement to each other all the time. And truth, challenging in truth, in love. It's not all about being nice. It's about being truthful and challenging and honest and kind and gentle. Imagine if we all did that all the time. It would have such a huge impact. And it can't be underestimated. So that's the first aspect, prioritizing self-control. It's just good, isn't it? But if we look again at James's life, that's really only the first half. He's a bit of a game of two halves. He was probably about 30, so like maybe in his 20s, this really virtuous, pious Jew. Um, and then we learn that after Jesus died and was resurrected, he actually appeared to James, his brother. He appeared to lots of people, but James one of the people he chose to appear to. I love that Jesus reveals himself to us in different ways. I'd have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that conversation, but we know it had a huge impact because James came away from that changed. He had converted to what we now call Christianity, believed that Jesus was the Messiah. So the next bit of his life, and this letter was written sort of 30 years after that, so the second half, um, when the apostles went um, and to preach the good news further and wider, James became the leader of the church in Jerusalem, the epicentre of the Christian faith. And so he had seen for that 30 years a rapidly growing and persecuted church where they had seen signs, wonders, and miracles continuously. We only have to open the New Testament to see amazing things going on that are beyond the natural realm. And lots of that was from the utterances of the mouths of normal people. And so James wasn't just saying it's good to have self-control because it's good to have self-control. Maybe an additional reason as to why James included this stuff on the power of words because he knew that taking control of the tongue for Christians is taking control of the most powerful weapon in the spiritual realm. A weapon that brings the reality of heaven onto earth. A weapon that actually brings life. So the early church saw this amazing stuff happen. It was their norm, and many of them had seen it firsthand from walking with Jesus. And they were doing their best to imitate him as he had told them to do. Jesus spoke to diseases, and people were healed. He spoke to a fig tree, and it withered up. He spoke to demons, and they fled. He spoke to storms, and they calmed. He spoke to dead bodies, and they breathed life again. So he modeled it for them and for us, because the craziest thing of all is that he said in Mark 11, in the context of that fig tree, I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. You can say to this mountain, get up and go into the sea. It's really challenging, isn't it? And we believe he was saying that to us as well. The word of God spoken out of our mouths with faith in our hearts is able to move mountains. And God is our heavenly father too. Jesus said, I see, I do what I see the father doing. He's our father. I mean, let's talk about God. He only had to speak and the universe came into being. Through the creative power of God's words, everything physical was created. And we are made in his image. We watched The Lion King last weekend. It's a great film. There's a scene where Simba has forgotten who he is, and then his father appears to him. He says, look inside yourself, Simba. You are more than who you have become. Remember who you are. You're my son. And being reminded of who he is gave Simba the courage to go and do what he needed to do. I Don't want to spoil the film if anyone hasn't seen it. But for him, it was all about his identity as the one who needed to inherit his kingdom. We are speaking spirits just like our Father God. And he designed us to operate in the same way as him. Everything in the physical realm was created with words. Everything in the physical realm responds to words. So what does that actually mean, moving mountains? Well... We can speak to situations in our lives and the lives of those around us and see things change. It's, it's really frustrating, isn't it, that we don't see as many miracles as they saw back then, that it's not just a normal part of our lives. We've all had disappointments, haven't we, where we've prayed for miracles and they haven't happened. Or we've said stuff and it's like, well, that didn't go anywhere. And disappointment's hard, isn't it? That's the reality of of a fallen earth. But we are aspiring to what we've been called to, and so we get up and we try again, and we do it again, and we believe again. At this point, I'd like you to look under your chairs. There should be enough chocolate for like one between two. Obviously hygiene reasons, keep it in the packaging, pass it along. Mark's got some spares. If anybody hasn't got any, no you haven't. Oh, they're all out. They've all been given out, so fight over what you can find. So this is Dairy Milk's Marvellous Creations Jelly Popping Candy Chocolate. It's an illustration of the two aspects I'm describing. Shh! Once you've got the chocolate in your mouth, just, you know, just chew and don't speak. For now, don't speak for now. The chocolate that you'll find is a chocolate bar with dairy milk for those at home. I'm sorry that I've not been able to, you know, Willy Wonka any across to you. It's dairy milk chocolate, which for me illustrates it's just good. It's just good to speak well of people. It's just good to be nice and kind and truthful. It permeates everything. But inside there, and unfortunately, it's a little bit less, you know, impactful than I hoped it would when I did a little bit of. Um, product testing there is some popping candy inside so if you really focus on it and you just just let it sit in your mouth you'll feel the popping candy there's some random jelly bits in as well which are a bit unnecessary but for me the popping candy is the holy spirit this is the dynamite the power the thing that makes us a little bit different from just saying nice words so just um Have a think about that. And as you eat your chocolate, I'm just going to give you a couple of suggestions, really, about how we can sort of outwork some of this in our lives. Number one, partner with the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? Well, if you believe in Jesus, the next step could be to invite the Holy Spirit into your life, as Rich has already talked about. Choose to be led by him. Choose to keep in step with him. Choose to see what he's doing. Have an awareness daily of, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? What are you saying to me? Where are you? You will experience the fruits of this choice by seeing an increase in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Another practical way to partner with the Holy Spirit is to ask for the spiritual gift of praying in tongues. You might have heard Joe when he was leading worship a couple of times singing in like a language that isn't English it's not a human language and that's simply what the the power power of um, the gift of tongues is it's giving the Holy Spirit intentional control over your mouth so when you speak the words aren't a, a language that we understand but it's about praying in line with what God wants to do it's about letting him take leadership of our mouth and of our prayer it's really powerful During one of the most fruitful and exciting times of my life, I prayed in tongues every morning when I was getting ready for the day. Um, And I've tried to do it a little bit as I've been prepping this talk, but it's definitely a habit that needs cultivating. Um, But once you've got that habit, it feels like, why would you ever not do this? If you can pray in tongues, do it more. If you can't, start. And if you're not sure about it all, talk to someone about it. It's a really powerful thing. It's a bit of it popping candy in our lives. Number two, declare the written word of God. Discover the life and truth in the Bible. If you're not sure where to go, go to the Bible. If you haven't got a Bible, we've got some here that you can take away. If you read the Bible, read it more. If you don't, start to get the theme. When we agree with God's written word by declaring it out loud, it becomes a powerful sword in the spiritual realm. We're speaking truth and everything has to come in line with it. When I started at uni, I printed and framed five Bible verses. Um, I had them on my wall just to read daily. And they are actually still up in our family home 18 years later, the same five verses. Um, It's just good to, to just see it and just read it. Um, And at various points in my life, particularly the harder times, I've written out crafted prayers, which have kind of had Bible verses woven throughout, um, declarations of forgiveness, declarations of hope. And I've read them out every day, just out loud, because when your emotions are a bit wobbly, it's just good to tell yourself what you know to be true. So that's another good way to... to to line yourself up with the Bible. And number three, confess your faith. It's a bit of an old school phrase, the confession of faith. Put very simply, it is saying out loud what you believe. It's a funny thought. Have you ever heard yourself say out loud what you believe? I loved the worship songs that were chosen today because they were all about God. It wasn't about me and my life. It's about this is what I believe to be true of you, God. There's that song, The Creed, I believe in God the Father, I believe listen to it on YouTube it's like yeah sing that out and you remember oh yeah that is what I think oh yeah and if I think that then everything else follows Roman 10 9 says if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you'll be saved it's confession that seals the deal of what's in the heart practically for me when I was an intern at Open Heaven I remember writing down my story of faith short medium and long versions just in case anybody asked because We know it in our hearts, don't we? But, like, how do you explain it to someone else? I wanted to be ready to be able to speak clearly and concisely about what Jesus had done in my life. One of the themes woven throughout the New Testament is that wherever there's a bold confession of faith on earth, there's a bold response from heaven to bring breakthrough. They run parallel courses. I haven't got time to give examples. There's a great talk by Bill Johnson called um, The Power of Confession. That's well worth a listen up out of the water. So when you listen to these testimonies, they're confessions of faith. Really listen to what it is that Jesus has done for them. Really listen to what it is that they're declaring to be true for them. If you're here today and you wouldn't necessarily call yourself a Christian, I hope that some of what I've made has made sense. Um, but more than that, I hope it's given you some food for thought. Just as you ponder this week on everything that you've heard, I just want to come back to, it's not a Bible verse, it's the quote from the Lion King, because this relationship with Father God is open and available to you as well. Look inside yourself, he said. You are more than who you have become. Remember who you are. You are my son, my daughter.